Hi, Steve Arterburn here, and welcome to the New Life Live podcast. We hope to provide help and hope in your life through God's Word, counselors, and psychologists as we answer questions from listeners who call with the challenges of life. Let's go to today's episode. Hello, everyone. We're so glad that you joined us today, and I am just so grateful for our co-hosts. And today we have Dr. Jill Hubbard and J.J. West joining us. And, uh, you know, Jill, I know that you are such a wise woman, and I always love hearing from you. What would you like to share with our listeners today? Well, I have been thinking on this February 15th, the day after Valentine's Day, um, really about Valentine's Day and kind of wanting to do a post-Valentine's Day check-in with everybody and just kind of see how everybody is feeling after this day. I know last year I brought up this topic and some people seem to appreciate it in terms of kind of reframing the holiday for ourselves. I absolutely love holidays, and it's always a shame when others rob us of a holiday. And one of the things I tried to instill in my kids is that holidays, birthdays, they are what you make it. And so we, you know, if we're looking to other people to make us feel special uh, on any certain given time, we're probably going to be disappointed. And I think that Valentine's Day can be a setup for that. And certainly, uh, you know, the the media plays into that and it's so pushed as, or as we think about it, as for romantic love. So last year I was talking about the idea of Valentine's Day just being about love in general and being Mm -hmm. an opportunity to express love to anybody we love, all kinds of relationships. Um, I love being able to let my my friends know how much I care about them. And so if you're sitting here the day after Valentine's Day saying, guy, that really wasn't great. I really hate Valentine's Day. Um, and I, you know, that, um, well, wait, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, you have an opportunity now to evaluate and reflect. So whenever we have gone through something and we don't like how it came out, let's reflect and do it differently. So how can we make a vow for next year to take charge of our Valentine's Day, to have it be more a day that we would like, to um, give to others in a way that we wish we were being given to, and in a sense, be the self we are looking for others to affirm. And so thinking about everybody needs to feel special. Everybody wants to feel loved. And deep down, there's that wish that maybe somebody will validate in us how special and loved we really are. So do that for others and vow next year to initiate that instead of perhaps waiting to receive that. And in doing so, I think you get back so much more. Um, and, and you take it captive. Um, don't let it be robbed. I mean, it's often a, a day, too, where people that are in illicit relationships are often sappy and sloppy. And so we don't want it to be their day. We want it to be yeah. a day for each of us um, to, to feel love and to offer love. I also think about, you know, the greatest commandment right, mm-hmm. is that we are to love others. And not just as we love ourselves, but as God loves yes, us. Yes. And he loves us Absolutely. so very much. Right. And so maybe yesterday didn't work for you, but today is a new day. Yep. 
and you can begin to express love. I love that idea too, Jill, of just being mindful of expressing love because we do need to experience love and we need a lot more love in this world and we either need to be giving it or we need to be receiving it because sometimes that's a challenge too, right? Is just to be able to receive the love from other people. Well, we are grateful for the love of God in our lives and we're grateful that we are able to express it here. We're going to go to the callers after this break. Thanks for listening. To find out more information about New Life or to order any of the resources mentioned on today's program, call 1-800-NEW-LIFE. Now back to New Life Live. I'm Steve Arterburn with a New Life Moment. In 1948, Jackie Robinson became the first African-American to play Major League Baseball. He faced stiff opposition. Pitchers threw at him. Base runners dug their spikes into his shin. Fans mocked him, and some even wrote death threats. To endure this mistreatment, you'd have to be a scrapper. Robinson was certainly no exception. He was proud and competitive, and he also knew the right way to fight, and that's what set him apart. Before being allowed to play, Jackie was asked what he'd do if another player hit him on the cheek, and he answered, Sir, I have two cheeks. Robinson knew great strength. The kind necessary to accomplish truly great things is demonstrated in meekness and forbearance. With that strength, he changed the face of America's favorite pastime and in the process helped change the face of America. If you want to learn more about strength, well, visit me at newlife.com. I'm Stephen Arterburn, and thanks for listening to this New Life Moment. Wow, what a powerful reminder from Steve, uh, you know, just about the great Jackie Robinson and the choices that he made. And it reminds me, Jill, just of what you were talking about, of choosing to love. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, I'm mm-hmm. so grateful for that opportunity to minister to people. We're going to go to the calls. Well, Jill, did you have anything else that you wanted to add um, to that insightful opening? Well, just the idea that if you are in a relationship. A lot of times people are aware of what they lack around a holiday, Mm -hmm. but often Mm -hmm. there are people in relationships that are feeling that lacking. And so with our intimacy um, in marriage intensive being this weekend, um, there may still be opportunity to get in. And it's the perfect place. Mm -hmm. And JJ is here and he, he leads that. And it's the perfect place to change the face of your relationship. What a great suggestion. Well, uh, and JJ, we'll hear from you in just a minute. We're going to go to the calls and we're mm-hmm. going to talk with, um, let's talk to Gina, who's calling us from Providence, Rhode Island, listens on the podcast, and you can too. You can download the podcast wherever you get your podcast. We love our podcast listeners. If you're listening there and you want to call, we take callers uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, enough about us. Gina, how can we help you? <laughs> Hi, good afternoon. I was calling in regards to a friend that I have, a very dear friend that I've had since childhood. Over the past um, year, meaning last year into now, her life has just imploded. She's lost her marriage. She lost custody of her children. She's not working. When we try to encourage her to kind of, you know, pick herself back up and let's get this going, she just has excuses as to why she can't do anything. She can't work. She can't seek counseling. She can't get help. 
And the other day I was listening to a show where you were referencing learned helplessness, and I know you mentioned that it has to do a lot with fear. And I'm wondering also if it has to do with anything with shame or maybe some self-sabotaging, because now we're realizing that really over the course of multiple years, she's been doing things that have self-sabotaged her to get to the place where she is now, and we just Mm -hmm. don't know how to help her. Mm, that's hard. That's good that you're a good friend, Gina, mm-hmm. that you're going to help her. JJ, how would you um, begin this, uh, just the help for her? Well, Gina, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, shame plays a huge role um, in our unwillingness, refusal to accept help, uh, to work on making changes. Um, you know, if she has experienced lots of loss, and if she has believed that uh, she either had a hand in or maybe was the main reason, the main cause for those losses, you can understand where she might believe that anything she does is going to blow up in her face. Anything she mm-hmm. tries is going to uh, end in disaster. Any, any hope she might Uh, begin to feel is going to lead to disappointment, right? And so you do start to develop this this belief about yourself that you're damaged good, that you can't you can't change, you can't make things better. Um and wouldn't the world just be better off if you just went and crawled in a hole somewhere? Um and Mm -hmm. and you stop trying and and so uh I'm I'm sad certainly for Mm -hmm. your friend and I'm sad for the for the pain that it's causing you. But I'm so glad that she has you in her life um, and that she uh, has someone who, you know, I always I feel like I reference this story quite a bit. But I think about, you know, the four friends in the Synoptic Gospels who carry their paralytic friend to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jesus, it says that Jesus saw their faith and then said to the paralytic, take up your mat and, and walk. And. And it was their faith that if they could get him to Jesus, that Jesus would be able to change him. And and we don't know this, but it may have been against his objections, right? When they got to the house and they're like, hey, let's climb. there's no way, way we can get in. Let's climb on the roof and dig a hole and lower him down. He may have objected to that, right? He may have been like, no, no, let's come back later. But they wouldn't they wouldn't listen to his objections. They kept bringing him to Jesus. And, and the fact that that you are a friend like that to your friend, that you 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 don't have to buy into her objections. You don't have to give power to those objections to to agree that oh yes, everything you touch uh, turns to you know uh, is it turns into a disaster. Uh, you don't have mm-hmm. to agree with that. You can you can help her to see where choices that she's made have been unhealthy have um, led to uh, pain or brokenness in her life, but that if that's the case, then she can also make choices that lead to life. She can also make choices that lead to healing. She can also make choices that lead to growth. Um, and so, you know, to, to be willing to have those hard conversations that say, yes, your choices matter, but not buy into the lie that somehow you are unable incapable of making good choices because she's believing a lie of the enemy there. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. And to right. help her differentiate those two, I think is really important uh, that we as, as a good friend can come alongside our friend and say, look, you, here, here are your, your 
you're assessing your choices. That's good and healthy. But here you're believing a lie that says you're not able to make good choices, and that's just simply not true. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's the hard part is knowing how much to push her and how yeah. much I feel like not mm-hmm. doing anything for yeah. her. Gina, I think it really is kind of a balancing act with someone who has had this chronic of a condition. I mean, you guys are just seeing it now, but this sounds like a lifetime of sabotaging herself. And probably there's been an underlying depression that has been there with the shame, right? And it's just now she can't hide it anymore. So I think there's the idea that... Um, you know, first, we don't want to do for others what they need to do for themselves, but we do want to come alongside and help others when they can't function. And so to be mindful of the fact that there's depression there and the, and the shame, and it's blocking her from functioning. So that's where you want to offer to maybe do some things or come alongside her to help her, like, um, get past some obstacles. At the mm-hmm. same time, it's not going to happen in a time frame that probably would make sense to you. And so there's a lot of kind mm-hmm. of listening. And as JJ was talking, kind of coming alongside and maybe gently challenging while at the same time being loving and non-shaming. I think about the story mm-hmm. of Job and how initially his friends just sat with him and just right. listened, Right. Um, when they started to get anxious because he was taking so long, they jumped in and, you know, you know the story. Um, and so just kind of that balance of I'm here f- for you, but it's hard to see you letting all of life go, right? And, and, and to, to sink down and, and getting her to say, you know, what would you be willing to do? Like, let's go for a walk around the block. Mm-hmm. Let's, right, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to start small. But getting any movement will help to shift um, kind of where she's at in, in her brain. Right, yeah, right. That's, that's good. Well, Jenny, you're a good friend. Yeah. And um, maybe uh, we're going to send you a copy of Take Your Life Back, and you can give that to her as an encouragement. And don't um, we have, Becky, well, Jill has a sorry, what? don't we have understanding and loving a person with depression? We have that. We can send that as well. I'm just thinking in terms of empowering the friend, you know, if, um, Mm -hmm. you know, because sometimes when you get in these cycles, Mm -hmm. I I was thinking of Job as well, Jill, and, Mm -hmm. you know, they were all trying to make sense of why he was going through this. And there are times in our Mm -hmm. lives where life just be life in, like it just, it is where it is. And Mm -hmm. so sometimes it's our choices, but sometimes it's just the experience of life. But you're a good friend, Gina, for Colin, and um, we are going to be praying for your friend as well. We're going to go back to the calls, and we are going to talk with Andrew, who's calling us from Philadelphia, listens on WBYN. Hi, Andrew. Thanks for calling. How can we help you today? Hey, how you guys doing? Um, doing good. So just to give you a brief bit of context, my wife and I have been married uh, almost 15 years, and we have four children, the oldest being 12 and the youngest being seven. Um, we both grew up attending public schools. Um, she was involved. We both did sports when we were younger. She was more involved than me. Um, I, I kind of stopped playing little league and other sports to go pursue other interests in the outdoors. Um, she continued with it and played travel softball through her whole life. Actually went on to college and played softball. And now as we raise our own kids, our own kids are all involved in sports. Um, 
my oldest really took a liking to baseball, which, you know, I, I'm, you know, I, I, I you know, I, I, it's, it's okay by me. Um, but now we're getting of the age where he wants to start doing travel baseball. Um, and he's getting this idea because, like I said, our kids go to public school as well. Um, and we've talked about sending them to private school, but it just has the funds haven't been there yet. Um, so all of his friends at school play travel ball. Now, these are all kids that are come from secular homes. Um, you know, they don't, they're not, you know, they don't know the Lord to my knowledge. Um, so he thinks that this is okay to be, you know, skipping church every weekend to go play travel baseball. Now I put my foot down and say, absolutely. And I've doing travel, travel baseball because the tournaments are Saturdays and Sundays and we're not missing church for sports. Um, I feel it's like a type of almost idolatry where you're putting sports ahead of uh, worshiping God. So the problem I run into is my wife. Um, my wife's a believer. She, she, uh, you know, she, I have no doubt about that, but she, because she grew up with that thinking it was okay. Um, she wasn't, she wasn't, she, I think she grew up, uh, she grew up attending a UCC church. So they were, um, you know, they were okay. Her parents were okay with her missing church for months at a time to go play in these tournaments. And she, because she grew up that way, she thinks she, I get the impression she sees no harm in it. And she doesn't back me the way I feel that she should. Um, sometimes actually getting mad at me when the subject comes up because I, mm. it's a, it's a hard no. And I put my foot down and for some reason she gets angry with me and it causes problems because in, in you know, she still gives me the impression that she, yeah, she would be open to it, and it's it's a source of uh, disagreement for us. So, how okay. is the best way to get her to to you know? I hate to say it, but see it my way. I mean, I don't think it's, <laughs> okay, you know, wrong. And, to, to say at least that. you're honest, Andrew. Mm-hmm. At least you're honest, <laughs> JJ. Let's start with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I agree, Becky. Uh, I'm glad, Andrew, that you're honest about the fact that you know ultimately <laughs> you want her to see it your way. Um, and, and, you know, I, I appreciate your, your heart in saying, I don't want myself as an individual, but I also don't want us as a family to have idols, Mm -hmm. to have anything that is more important to us than God. Um, that's, that's a really, um, important principle to live by and to pass on, to your children. So I'm, I'm appreciative of your heart there. Uh, I, I, I would start with asking your wife for the two of you, not in the midst of the argument when your son has said once again, hey, there's this tournament this weekend. All my friends are playing. I really want to play too. Why can't I? Not then, <laughs> but outside of that moment for, the, for you and your wife to sit down and talk through you expressing, here are my concerns, but I also want to hear from you what is, what's behind your saying it's fine for him to go play in these tournaments. Let's, let's, let me understand where you're coming from. And, and I can hear the music, so we're going to have to probably... Yes. Uh, <laughs> hold on, Andrew. Uh, we will to, be back. Uh, the other side. We Hold on, Andrew. We will be back after this break, and we'll hear from Jill and uh, have a further conversation. You know, parenting in the 21st century has lots of different things that come into play, but good communication between the couples is imperative. We'll be back after this. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a question or a comment, call toll-free 1-800-229-3000. Now back to New Life Live. 
Welcome back. Uh, we are talking with Andrew, who is in the midst of raising children and the challenges of dealing with some of the choices that are in play with, you know, travel sports teams, trying to mm-hmm. raise the kids up in the church and all of the challenges that go with that. Uh, Andrew, let's hear from Jill. Um, let's see what Jill has to say about this. Well, and Andrew, you are right. It is a challenge and more and more Sunday is not a sacred day by any means, right? So as Christians, um, we're being made more, you know, uncomfortable or standing out more against the world in those ways. Um, my one, I, you're not wrong per se, right? But my fear is that you are going to win the battle and lose the war. And so I think there needs to be some openness to have dialogue on both sides and to look at, okay, yes, going to church as a family is really important. But nowadays, there are lots of opportunities at church and to be involved. And we don't want all of his spiritual input to just be, okay, because he's going to church, right? It's like we're involved in church. We're part of a body that's growing, right, and and that's learning and drawing closer to the Lord. And so we go to youth group. We're involved in a small group. Maybe we go to church on a Saturday night. Maybe we're helping out in a ministry at church. Getting your kids involved in those kinds of things um, should also be a part of their spiritual development. And so is there a way to have a compromise here? I don't know anything about travel ball. I don't know if it takes up every weekend of the year or if there's a way to do some but not every tournament, right? Um, mm-hmm. Are there any compromises that could be made? Because... To just flat out say no, I can't tell you how many adults I see in my office where they felt like they were the weird kid because their parent made them say no to things, and it was a lot of rules without relationship. And that can be devastating to a kid's spiritual growth. It may have the Mm -hmm. opposite effect. So we want them to have a relationship with God, not just follow the rules. And the other thing about this, Andrew, is this is your firstborn, right? We're talking about the 12-year-old? Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, because here's what I'm thinking. You know, Milan Yurkovic used to say this all the time. The oldest one is the crash test dummy. Like, we're practicing on this one. And yes. so this, uh-huh. <laughs> this big reaction that you're having right now, Andrew, is based on we haven't been down this path before. And so it's creating some anxiety and tension between you and your wife. And so um, I don't know if it was JJ or Jill, one of you wise people, we're talking about let's have the conversation apart from the decision. Mm-hmm. And as we plan what is important, because guess what? At 12, the, he's got, he or she has some time. And so it's not, you know, maybe it's not this year. Maybe it's next year. Maybe it's the third year out. Who knows? And just getting into the conversation as opposed to this is the hill I'm going to die on. And, you know, Andrew, mm-hmm. if you guys have 15 years in your marriage, that is something to be celebrated. You've got a beautiful family and you don't want to get into this divisive conversation where you can't hear each other. And it's important for you to be heard, right. and it's important for her to be heard. 
and to come out somewhere, um, you know, in the middle. Right. And if even if you think that you're right, you don't want that to be the message, that it's just about you being right. And so that means they're all wrong, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Henry used mm-hmm. to say, yeah. if you always have to be right, then you're going to be left. And so I, I love that okay. saying, right? So we want to really yeah. hear the other mm-hmm. person and give them room to also be right. Is okay. that helpful, Andrew? And, and part of the... No, I... Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to add part of the way that we really listen and is, is if I can share back with you your perspective, if I can say it back to you and you go, yes, that's it, you've got it, right? And so that requires reflective listening. If, if that's unfamiliar to you, I would invite you to pick up a copy of How We Love and learn the comfort we'll circle. We'll send but, one to you. That practice mm-hmm. of reflective uh, that practice of reflective listening is that's in, that's when when Jill's talking about relationship mm-hmm. over rules that I express that through my ability to reflectively listen to you rather than just tell you my opinion. Yeah. Okay. All right. Any questions about that, Andrew? You feel like you can do it? No. Yeah, I. I you know what? I I I think I can. It's you know. It's just. You know, like I said, it's something that I just feel passionate about. And I, mm-hmm. unfortunately, I feel that I, I, 10 years ago, I didn't feel as passionate about it. But I, I see everything that's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. And it feels more and more important to me with each passing day. You know, right. 10 years ago, I right. said, and, you know, yes. You know. Right. But even that what the comment that Jill made about being part of a body of Christ and being mm-hmm. part of you know, his, your children's faith walk is, it has to be more than just an event on a Sunday. And I know mm-hmm. you know that, but I just think that's where you're going to instill it. And even having the conversations with your kids about why I mm-hmm. feel so passionate about this and knowing yeah, that God exactly. loves them, Andrew, and has a call mm-hmm. on their life as well. And as parents, you know, we, we want to see that lived out. There's a passage, and maybe J.J. or Jill knows what it is, that says nothing. There's no greater joy than to see our children walking with the Lord. And Mm -hmm. it is such a powerful thing. So it's great that you're passionate. We want to pray for your kids, pray for you and your wife. I'm going to send you a copy of How We Love. And uh, maybe, Andrew, you guys can uh, take some time out and join us at Intimacy at Marriage sometime. Uh, We would love to see you there as you're um, in this incredible part of marriage. It is always something when we're raising kids and um, Mm -hmm. you have just begun if you have a 12 year old you've got all kinds of teenage fun (laughs) coming your way so good to work this out now (laughs) it exactly is and you might not be right all the time today's podcast is brought to you by club new life supporters who give a monthly donation because they want to continue to offer help and hope in these very very difficult places to find out more about club new life you can go to our website newlife.com or call 1-800-NEW-LIFE now if you're new to us we drop an episode every weekday we would love it if you would rate or write a review which helps more people discover help and hope and helps us share wisdom with as many people as possible now let's listen to our counselors as they help people walk through life's hardest places glad you joined us for New Life Live. To be a part of the program, call 1-800-229-3000. Now back to New Life Live. 
Welcome back. Uh, I want to just remind you that we are going to do the Restore Intensive on the weekend of um, February 23rd and 25th in Orange County, California. This intensive is for women who have experienced sexual betrayal and the healing that is so important and the recovery that is so much a part of healing is we're going to talk about it. We're going to have Stacy Sadler-Smith and Laura Manja McDonald are going to be our presenters. We are actually having a um, an alumni group. Uh, if you've already attended Restore or even Women in the Battle, we are going to invite you in for a special session. We do this at our Every Man's Battle workshop with our brothers in the battle because we know that um, many times on an intensive, it's not one and done. We still have work to do. We still have connections to make, and we want to be there for you. So if you um, if this has been part of your story, we're sorry, but we also want to see you there because we know that there's hope and there's healing ahead for you. You can call us at 1-800-NEW-LIFE or go to newlife.com. We have a free guide that you can download at newlife.com if you're facing recovery from sexual betrayal. And we're so grateful to be able to offer that. Right now, we're going to go back to the callers and we're going to talk to Mike, who's calling us from Colorado Springs. He listens on the podcast. Hi, Mike. How can we help you today? Thanks for calling. Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm going to start with a question first and then I'll give you background because otherwise I can talk for three hours (laughs) without taking a breath. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Okay. You're welcome. So the question is, um, do I need to back down off the boundaries that I've set up with my 17 going on 35 year old daughter um, and just her inappropriate behaviors? Uh, because basically she's kind of shut me out for the last month, longest time ever since, mm-hmm. since she was born that I haven't had interaction or contact with her. So the background is I was married to her mom for 24 years, the last six of which I was separated Uh, Her mother has borderline personality disorder, was diagnosed four different times, has never accepted the diagnosis, which I learned is pretty common. And um, I have four daughters, um, and my 17-year-old is the last daughter. Uh, She is really mimicking her mother's behavior, Mm. and common behavior would be for her to explode, to cuss me out, to cuss her mother out, and to... Uh, just be really disrespectful and inappropriate. As I have left the situation, now that four of the six years were separated, um, I still lived in the home. We had a very large home, so I lived in the downstairs, um, so I could still raise my kids. Um, but uh, so as I've healed, I've moved into a healthier way of living, and that includes healthy boundaries um, that I hold with their mom but also that I've held with my kids. And um, with the 17-year-old, last Thanksgiving, I was going to have her over for Thanksgiving. Uh, There was a huge blow-up, which typically happened every holiday season or holiday anyway with her mom. And, again, mimicking the behavior, there was a huge blow-up. A lot of inappropriate things happened. And for the first time in my daughter's life, I stood my ground and said, no, that is unacceptable behavior. We're, I'm not going to have you come over. We're not going to engage. Her sisters came over, but we're not going to engage in that kind of behavior. And you need to apologize, and we need to reconcile. And here's how we reconcile, trying to teach her a healthier way. Um, she has put up such a fight and refuses uh, to interact on a healthy level. And my stance is 
I love you. I will be there for you. I will hug you when you get a hug. I'll talk to you on the phone and help you, give you advice, whatever. But things are not okay until we reconcile in a healthy way. And I want to model that for you. And I want to sit down with you, and she refuses because she always has to control the situations. And I know that that's been her survival. So mm-hmm. that's kind of the background. That's where things are at. And then whatever questions you guys have and advice, I will definitely appreciate. Okay. I just want to clarify one thing. Is she living with you or living with mom? She lives with mom. Okay. And how often do you see her? Like, do you share custody? She stay with you guys? What? So um, I have visitation every other week every other weekend and every Wednesday, but we really have never adhered to that. Um, It's more kind of, I take one of my daughters, one of my two youngest daughters out on a date every other week. Um, So I would see her uh, maybe once a week. And sometimes if she's having a struggle or she wanted me to drive her to school or whatever, I'd take her just so we could hang out or go get a, you know, a coffee or whatever. Okay. And then one last question, then I'll turn it over to you, Jill, to start with. Uh, did you remarry, Mike, or are you single? I did. I did eight months ago. Mm. Okay. Okay. All right. Jill? Um, wow, Mike, you've been through a lot, but it also sounds like you've also figured out a lot. And certainly with anybody that has borderline personality symptoms or traits, um, um, features, um you need to set boundaries with and they have to be firm and they do not like them and they will kick and scream Mm -hmm. as you know so it sounds like part of you know dealing with your youngest daughter um, is that you are having to go back and it's hard because you've already been through this with her mother and so it's heartbreaking to see it in one of your children Right, um, and it, it, it's definitely triggering too when yeah. I interact with her. I, re- I really have to have a lot of self control to realize that okay, yeah. this is not her, right. she's not her mother, and I'm reacting mm-hmm. to things from the past that maybe haven't been resolved or have are just mm-hmm. coming up. Right, right, and so for you to have people that you're talking to, so that you stay really clear on that, that it it's similar, it's familiar, she certainly learned things from her mom, but but she isn't her mom, and you're her dad, not her husband, right? And so it is important that you set those boundaries, and it's more important that you be that firm, consistent, loving person in her life that has boundaries than really how connected you guys are, right? She's going to need to push and pull and hit up against you. And that's part of mm-hmm. being that parental guide rail for her. So it's meaning it's not going to feel good. You're not going to feel like you guys have a close relationship. I do right. like the idea of that you are wanting her to, you know, reconcile, right? I'm here for you, but we don't go back to business as usual just because you're at a different point in the cycle, right? right. And maybe you're not raging yeah. at this moment, but we we still, you know, follow a consistent pattern and and plan. And I think continuing to invite her into healthy relating going out like you've been doing. It sounds like you're doing a, a great job in that way, Mike. It's just really, really difficult. I have really, one more really question. Is. Yeah, I have another question before we it's turn like it to JJ. Do you have, <laughs> is she getting any help at all? Any therapy? Any, I mean, have you guys so, done any work? So she is. 
she is with a therapist, and the therapist okay. is actually the one who um, re- recommended the the eggshell book uh, for Good. me to learn and understand the the um, the BPD. I'd never heard of it before that. Mm-hmm. And I don't mm-hmm. have a background in mental health, but I have listened to you guys for 25 years and mm-hmm. just growing up, I won't go into all of it, but growing up, a lot of abuse. My biological dad tried to kill me. I was homeless, ate out of garbage cans. Really rough childhood, but by God's grace, your show, because I I was so poor, I couldn't afford a therapist, had no insurance, and now I'm very, very blessed. My wife's actually a mental health professional, but we don't talk about this stuff because it's you know, it's not appropriate for a marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've been in counseling for two years uh, just trying to learn how to live normal because normal is so foreign to me. Yeah. Well, and normal mm-hmm. normal is uh, setting on a dryer, Mike, so be careful that that's going to be <laughs> – you don't want that. Yeah, but I want to hear from J.J. <laughs> yeah, I want to know, J.J., you know, his question originally, you know, is does he back down or, mm-hmm. you know, how does he relate to the daughter? Yeah, and I would say no, you don't back down mm-hmm. on the boundaries. Um, because the boundaries that you described, if, if, you know, if you're accurate in your description, uh, the boundaries that you described are not unreasonable, um, and they are designed for you as a family to have healthier relationships and for your daughter to learn how to have really healthy relationships. And, and so, no, I don't think you back down on the boundaries, but that's the thing about boundaries is that, um, there's a consequence, there's a cost to boundaries. When I set a boundary, because again, the boundaries for me, I can't control, fix, change, or control others, so I can't control the other person's behavior. It's what I'm willing to let into my life. And there's a cost to it if I say, hey, uh, I only um, agree to let you in that closely if you, you know, A, treat me uh, with respect and don't curse me out, those sorts of things, right? And that if we have a blow up, we need to be reconciled. That other person may say, well, I'm not willing to do that. And then there's a cost to enforcing that boundary for myself. Um, But we have to be willing to uh, let the cost play out because that's part of what brings about change. So I hear the music. I know we got to go to break. Um, but, But the short answer is, you know, Mike, no, don't change the boundaries. Thank you, Mike, for listening for all these years. We're going to send you a copy of Understanding and Loving a Person with Borderline Personality Disorder. To find out more information about New Life or to order any of the resources mentioned on today's program, call 1-800-NEW-LIFE. Now back to New Life Live. Welcome back. I was just talking to Jill on the break and, you know, a lot of 17 year olds can feel like they have borderline personality yes. disorder. So that's, that's also a part of that. 17 as well. it's just a to very, 22. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. And I think even Mike referred to her as 17 going on 35 and, you know, yeah. so it's mm-hmm. all of that challenge that goes with it. But I, I had recommended understanding and loving a person with borderline personality disorder. It's a powerful tool when you're in a relationship with somebody who has this disorder and um, it can be very confusing to walk through it. And as a parent, it can be really challenging. And we, you know, it's try to balance that all is really hard. We're going to go back to the calls and we're going to talk with Ron, who's calling us from Ashton, Maryland, listens on WAVA. Hello, Ron. Thanks for calling. How can we help you today? Yes. uh, I'm calling 
for my cousin, uh, her son is uh, planning to get a divorce from his wife. And he, the couple is probably in their 30s, I'm guessing, because I don't know them very well. But they're, uh, um, and I just, I listen to New Life uh, with some regularity and appreciate Steve Otterburn and all the people there uh, with, with the godly counsel. And, and it just occurred to me that I wondered if this, a seemingly hopeless situation, uh, which is supposed to take place in March, uh, the divorce mm-hmm. formally, uh, could be averted or avoided if by one of the workshops. Um, I'm thinking the intimacy in marriage, but I don't know the details of what's going on with the couple. So I don't I'm not educated to know, but I, my question was to inquire about the, the workshops that might help a couple who are really planning mm-hmm. on their standing on the precipice of uh, getting a divorce. Ron, well, Ron. Go uh, ahead, JJ. Yeah. Oh. Sorry, okay, Joe, I was going to go yeah, first. Yeah, I'll jump in. So, Ron, um, do you know, does this couple have children? Yes, they have two very young children. Okay. Like, uh, so, one of the things, one of the things it would be, I would talk to your cousin, they're the mother of your, of her son, um, and yes. talk to her about that even if they plan on getting a divorce, because they have children, right? Couples yes. are always still in contact. Going to a workshop mm-hmm. shop, an intensive like our marriage intensive, can help them in their co-parenting because they will have to work together for the rest of their lives. So, you know, best case scenario, it keeps them from going through with the divorce. Okay, but even if they get divorced, being better parents and working out some of their issues is only better for their children. So Great, sometimes that's you. an angle. Great insight, yeah. Joe. What mm-hmm. I was going to say is JJ is one of our intensives mm-hmm. uh, present presenters at the marriage intensive, Ron. So JJ, how would you direct Ron in this? Yeah, I definitely believe that the marriage workshop would be probably the most uh, directly beneficial to what your, I don't know how, uh, I don't know what the relationship is the <laughs> Cousin, cousin, second cousin. Uh, I don't know what. I, I have no idea. Is that a second cousin? Yeah. Whatever that. Whatever that would be. Yeah, second um, cousin. You know that prob- probably that would be the most beneficial for the situation that they're in. And I like uh, Jill's approach of saying, "Look, even if the marriage is unsalvageable, you will be uh, connected to one another through your children for the rest of their lives." And so, yeah. hey, you know, yeah. wouldn't it be great if you could? at least work on the ways that you relate to each other as co-parents. But it may be possible that as they go through the workshop uh, and learn about some of the, some of the things that are behind the scenes driving the way they interact with each other that they may not even be aware of yet, that may be enough to help them get unstuck and feel like, Oh, we could actually change the way we relate to one another rather than have, you know, it feeling like this, already predetermined there's no way we can ever get along and we have to move toward divorce 
Yeah. Uh, now, is that something that's uh, available in in uh, f- uh, this uh, in February, later February? Yes. Uh, JJ, uh, yes, it is, Ron. It's going to be in Orange County, California, um, on the, uh, like, the tomorrow. 16th, We're going to yeah. start tomorrow, um, yeah. the 16th. Oh, um, but, wow. JJ, let's talk about um, what do we present at this intensive to give Ron an idea and yeah. our listeners an idea of what we talk about there. Yeah, so one of the one of the uh, sessions we talk about attachment style, uh, which is the way that we relate, and and what are the things that that lead us to relate the way we do, and so often those are families of origin um, stories that we need to look at and unpack. Um, we also talk about um, the the impact of of trauma on our lives. Uh, we talk about the importance of Learning how to play as a way to relate to one another, uh, and we and we also talk about the uh, need to focus on me. I can't I can't fix you, right? If my focus is on you behaving differently, that's a no win proposition. But if I can focus on how I need to change for us to have a better relationship, that's that's really helpful because no matter what, even if even if it did in the divorce, I still take me with me into the next relationship. And so me working on the stuff that that I bring in is really helpful for me in the long run. Well, and Jill, like you were saying, you know, when you're talking about divorce and parenting, Mm -hmm. you still have work to do because Mm -hmm. you are raising these kids. You're going to be interacting with them. And so so if somebody's listening and they're at this precipice of do we stay or do we go? Right. How would you encourage them to learn more about themselves in this process? Right. Well, I think it's the saddest thing when a family falls apart, right? And regardless Mm -hmm. of where a person wants to place the blame, everyone has a part in it. And so in order to move forward, right, it's really a myth to think that, well, I just didn't have the right person. Right. We really have to examine ourselves and have a time of reflection. And so Mm -hmm. I think being able to do it within the current relationship just makes so much more sense because you're going to have to do it with or without this person. It's just, you know, more complicated the more people you add to the equation in life. And so if you don't reflect and work on things in this relationship, it will some variation will get recreated in the next relationship. So, Ron, we right. will send even you if, even if we'll, the statement. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Becky. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, even if the statement were true, what Jill just said, even if the statement were true that I just picked the wrong person, I was just with the wrong person. Well, I at least, which by the way, that's never true. But no. like, even if it was, uh, I need to look at well, why did I choose? to be in a relationship with the wrong person. There's some stuff mm-hmm. going on there for me that I need to unpack because otherwise I will choose the wrong person again. That's so mm-hmm. true. Well, Ron, we hope that something we've said will encourage you to share this news with your uh, second cousin. And we're going to send you a copy of How We Love and we'll get you connected with some information about the intensive and uh, hopefully that they will make the choice to join us there. You know, I just want to say thank you to our Club New Life family who gives on a regular basis. There's so many benefits that you get when you join Club New Life, but the biggest benefit is knowing that you are helping people 
find transformation in their life. So thank you, Club New Life. If you want to join, you can call us 1-800-NEW-LIFE. We'll get you connected. Thank you, Jill. And thank you, JJ. And thank you, listeners, for joining us today. Share new life with a friend. You may change their life. It probably has changed yours. Thanks so much for listening. We hope something you heard will help you live in freedom today. If this content was helpful for you, we would love it if you take a minute, leave us a review, post about it, and rate it. Remember, we have resources and workshops online for you as you continue your journey. Go to newlife.com and find out more information. And thank you for being part of the New Life community. We know that God desires all of us to live a life of wholeness and healing. And we're so glad that you're here.